Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gunnan from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. I am your host, Jay Ganinen. Today, I am joined by Ryan Wurzel. Ryan is the owner and president of King's Equipment Group. And today, we're going to discuss the impact of the coronavirus on his business. Ryan's a really close personal friend of mine. Uh, I've known Ryan for a long time, and I'm excited to dive into this and uh, try to keep it PG, uh, Ryan. Uh, but Ryan, how are you doing today? Jay, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. I'm healthy, which is great, which, which is, I guess, what we all can ask for. But, uh, but it's, it's definitely keeping me on my toes. And I <laughs> That's to say the least. So let's start by explaining uh, what you do at the dealership, what the dealership is, uh, what, what kind of equipment maybe, or what, what you actually do from, I guess, a day-to-day standpoint. Yeah, so uh, King's Equipment Group is a two-location dealership. Uh, I would I would probably say that we're uh, maybe outdoor power equipment. We do tractors. We also do some, I guess, some entry-level ag equipment, uh, some small compact construction. Our, our Kubota line is our, our kind of our flag bearer, I guess, for our dealership. But we do Xmark, Gravely, steel products and things like that. So we have a wide range of, of customers. But with our two locations in southern central Michigan, Jackson and Coldwater, respectively. You know, it's it's more of a, a smaller town, rural type dealership setting. So um, we've got kind of the uh, the best of Americana that it has to offer. But uh, on a daily basis, as an owner, you know, my role has evolved over the last few years, where I'm I'm really trying to I guess work on that business uh, on a daily basis, plus trying to work inside of it as well. Which those things, mm-hmm. if you talk to any owner or are, are somewhat difficult to manage and balance, but, but uh, you know, we're really hands-on full contact. I mean, we have homeowners coming in and wanting to solve problems for, you know, their outdoor yards, their small hobby farms. We have, you know, ag farmers, specialty hay people coming in and wanting solutions for that. And then obviously construction landscapers wanting construction equipment for, for those types of things. So it's interesting that, you know, we really do service a very wide range of, of customers uh, in my previous career, I, I really just focused on construction, about 90% of it. So, you know, speaking to a wider range of people now uh, poses, I guess you'd say, uh, a wider range of challenges too, which, it, you know, it's exciting. Like owning a business, running a business was, is a dream. So you get to do that. It's fun. And, and I just have awesome people that, that, work, that work with us. So it, it makes it really good. That's a big component of it. And, and the, kind of the landscape of what you do, uh, you guys have parts, sales, service, rentals. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we, we do try to do that all um, and we try to do it well. But yeah, I mean, we are uh, at this point, at this point, you know, King's Equipments, you know, I founded it in 2016. Um, and yeah, we, we obviously have a very heavy sales mix uh, and our parts and service is very good in supporting that, but we, we've really tried to build our rental out uh, over the last few years. And again, it's, it's, it's all become a very, a very good thing. The economy has been great as you talk to anybody. And so yeah. we've been, we've been able to grow and to add jobs and, and really, and really work hard at it. So you, the, the dealerships that you have are in Southern Michigan, correct? That's, that is correct. Uh, Jackson, Michigan was my first location. Um, and that is a that is a city that has a population of around thirty thousand, and you know, in the city itself. And then I have you know, obviously some outlying areas. Coldwater, 
is, is about 15 minutes north of the uh, Indiana border. And uh, that's about a 10,000 person town. So yeah, we're, we're definitely in the southern central portion uh, of the state. Have you seen, I, I guess the focal point of our conversation here is going to be primarily focused around COVID-19, coronavirus, and what impact it's had on your business. Obviously, uh, as we talked about offline prior to jumping on this podcast, it's changing by the hour. It's rapidly evolving. And that's why we've, we, we're trying to put out as much content as we can, because we're hearing from business owners that they just kind of want to hear what other people are doing and uh, how they're kind of weathering the storm. And so uh, I, I reached out to you, Ryan, to kind of get an idea from that more of that equipment standpoint. What have you seen as far as effects so far? Has there been any impact from maybe the government side in Michigan or in just general terms of quarantining? Uh, what, you know, what, what impact have you guys seen so far? So the impact has been, I, I guess it's probably the uncertainty of it all. Uh, and I think anybody would maybe agree with that statement is that it, you said it, it, it is literally changing by the hour. I mean, our governor is about ready to go on the air and speak at 430. Uh, you know, don't know what that's about, right? I know Illinois just went into, uh, you know, uh, I guess they shut it down for, for all intents and purposes, except non-essentials. So California and New York did the same thing within the last day. So, you know, it's really the unknown. And I think that you're trying to, as an owner, wade through the news as best you can. You know, I, I'm an equipment guy, right? I'm not a doctor, I'm not a, a scientist or a researcher. So you're trying to learn a lot about um, the health implications of this. Because I think the biggest thing for me is, as a dealer principal is, you know, and it's come full circle in the last few days is trying to first and foremost, gain the confidence of your employees, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, that, that's our it's our family. We're all a family, and I, I need to I need to somehow reassure them because people are obviously concerned about themselves and their their families, but also about their jobs. And and so that's I think really I've been trying to think about all these different ways that we can ensure our customers that we're ready to do business, which is part of this. But it really in the last twenty four hours, it's turned to me talking to our people and and making sure that they're good. How, how have those conversations gone? I mean, are they, are they fairly well in the know as far as what's going on? Obviously, it's all over the media, all over Facebook, wherever you look. Are they, I mean, they, they know that there's an underlying issue here, right? Or that there's, there's a lot that maybe is out of our control. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's the interesting part is like what you're seeing is from everybody is just a, a really high level of cooperation and understanding. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not any of these things, a doctor, a researcher and all that. And neither are a lot of people that I know. Um, and, you know, some people I have working for me are uh, their, their spouses are in the healthcare fields and all that. So you've got some ancillary, you know, supplemental knowledge that they're getting. But, you know, people, everybody's been great. And the people that I'm talking to that aren't even affiliated with our company, I think everybody's on the same page that, that we understand that this is a serious matter and that we're trying to get through it the best way we can. And that's, that's, I think, all you can ask for. I mean, there's really, I think, minimal pushback. And everybody's even looking at me as an owner. It's, it's not, the questions aren't focused on, you know, obviously everybody's concerned about, you know, some financial things, but it's really focused on, on safety and health. Yeah. And that's actually kind of a reassuring thing because those are things that we can try to, you know, we can put into place because we've got the guidelines. We can, we can move forward with setting those in place so that we're doing the right things on a safety and health standard. And then the business is going to be secondary. 
And that's, I can, we can only control the economic impact of this. I think so much it's right. dramatic. This is bigger than anything I've ever seen in, in my lifetime. Yeah. And you hit on it earlier in our conversation with the uncertainty that goes along with it. And I think from a management or a leadership standpoint, that's the toughest part right now is, is I think, you know, if when going through 2008 and kind of the financial crisis, then it, it was a little bit of a different feel because I think you knew why it was happening and you knew, you know, maybe the steps that it would take to get it turned around and approximately how long it would go. And you could still go to places, you could still go to a movie, you could still do some things outside of the house, whereas right now you're stuck and it it's a weird feeling. I don't remember feeling kind of this level of, I don't want to say scared, but maybe uncertainty in 2008 uh, that I, I do now where, you know, from a leadership standpoint, you want to you want to keep your team calm and you want to reassure them. And then at the same time, you're, you're still nervous yourself. I think there's, there's some level of transparency that you have to have here, right? Like maybe it's not handing over the books, but really just saying, you know what, this is a really challenging situation. This is, this is something that we've never seen before. I, how do you, how do you battle the kind of that, maybe the difference between showing calm and showing the maybe nervousness that there is? And it's interesting because I'm kind of, I'm a little bit in a unique situation in my life. I was the youngest of five kids and my parents were a little older when I was born. And so my mother actually immigrated from Scotland. And when she was a child, she was, it was during World, World War II. Yeah. And she lived next to a munitions factory. And I remember her telling me stories about my grandmother at the time to wait in line for uh, rations. They were under a ration provision in the United Kingdom at that time because obviously it was wartime. And, you know, it's funny thinking, I've thought about that in the last few days, that it's just about, you know, my mom said it was like it was nothing. And my grandmother did that and never asked for, a, you know, a, a slap on the back or anything like that. It was just, it was life. Yeah. And that's what you did. And I think that the encouraging thing is too right now is that I think Americans, apparently, are, I think it's a great country and all those things, obviously. Um, but we're, everybody's really, I think, buckling down. I mean, you always hear stories about this, that, or the other thing, but it's those things about just really kind of pulling together. And, and I think it goes on a micro level and a macro level, right? Yeah. You see it like, you know, Washington DC maybe can see it and get a feel for it, but like on the ground level, like guys like yourself who are running a business and who have employees and, and other, you know, shop owners and, and whatever it is, any business. I mean, re- I feel sorry for like restaurant people right now. Oh yeah. I had no, I, I feel lucky and blessed that I haven't had to make those calls. I mean, we're, we're still operating. Because yeah. you don't have the traffic flow of a lot of these other, you know, of obviously a restaurant or a big box store even. I mean, we're very boutique in a lot of respects, right? I mean, there's not 10 people in my dealership at any one time unless it's maybe a, a, a spring day where, you know, it just gets a little crazy. Like it's very, and we reach out to customers and we're in the field and things like that. So, um, you know, there's challenges out there that other other business owners are experiencing. And so... I'm at the point now where it's like, yeah, you don't know if there's a shutdown, what you're going to do. But again, it's, it's really just hit home. It's like, okay, we've got great people. There's a lot of great people out there. And we're just going to continue to hammer on, make, make sure we can, we can follow the guidelines and be as safe as we possibly can. Man, the, the, the pressure that goes into that too, though, right? Like just the, the uncertainty of none of us know what's going to happen. And really in our heart of hearts, we're trying to make sure we take care of our people because we do view them like family. And it's, um, there's a part of us that, I, I mean, I, for me, frankly, that's terrifying that you, you just more, 
the thought, and I, I've really, to use the ultimate cliche from sports, I, I'm focusing one day at a time. I actually feel like I could probably do a press conference like, a, like an athlete right now. Uh, where I, I just uh, <laughs> focus focus one day on a, at a time, but I, I actually think there's genuine like sentiment in that that you you can't look too far in the future, otherwise it can be really demoralizing. Where if you can focus and you can stay on the task at hand and really just battle the day, I think for mental health alone is a big big deal. Well, you're 100 percent right, and I think we chatted about this just prior to the conversation. Is that you know, as business owners, I think all of us uh, are trying to are trying to pre-plan, right? We're trying to forecast and, and, and all those types of things. Well, I tell you what, just throw the forecast right out the window. <laughs> yeah. Because this is, this is unprecedented. I mean, this is, the playbook is now, I mean, we're drawing stuff up in the dirt. Yep. And that's what it's got to be. And you're right, one day at a time is, I think, is the best we can do because I can't, I don't know what Monday is going to hold. I mean, we're open tomorrow for five hours for our Saturday hours, which, you know, we get a lot of homeowner business, yeah. but I mean, I, like I said earlier, I mean, the, the 48 hours that kind of preceded this podcast, it's been up and down. I and mean, we are starting to feel uh, this incremental push that, that it's, it, it's, it's affecting the business. Absolutely. It was affecting it before, but we had some retail activity on our sales and it was still happening. Yeah. Cancellations on our sales end, but but our service, our shops and our parts departments right now, I mean, people are more worried about taking care of themselves and, and um, you know, and stocking up and things and, and they should be and, and making sure that their households are set because grass isn't growing here, right? In Michigan. Yeah. So, you know, that's part of it for sure. But, um, but it's, it, I think the priority is becoming just inside that, those four walls of that house. And, and it should be, right? right. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that. You know, but um, but it's it's definitely starting to see it, and and I guess the uh, the unknown is obviously how long is this how long is this gonna is gonna affect us. Well, it's it's true survival mode, right? Like I think that's the fear of the unknown kind of forces that, and it it I think the unique part about this kind of pandemic is affecting everybody the same, right? Like there's not, it, it's not uh, one specific country. It's not one specific race. It's not one specific gender. It's, it is literally everybody. And it is, I think that's the most concerning piece is, is your, for me, I, I feel fairly confident that once we're through it, everybody's going to be bursting at the seams and wanting to get out and do things. But do you get, I mean, do you get any feel for what that kind of the other side of this looks like, Ryan? Like in terms of when, you know, obviously say if it's two or three months of kind of this being life as normal, what do you see for maybe consumer activity after we're out of it? Yeah, I think that uh, that is the big question. Um, I think that, you know, based on what I've seen in you know, emails are flooding in to, to at least my inbox and I'm sure a lot of others from vendors and all, and we deal with a lot of different manufacturing companies, right. That provide us our products. So from a financial end, I, they are uh, trying to assess what they can do to make in, uh, purchasing more incentivized, right. I mean, we've already got zero for 60% interest, which is amazing. Right. And they're, I think they're considering trying to figure out ways to, to, to hang those carrots to, to drive, people back into a buying mode. Um, I think that, that from their end is what they can do on the dealership end. If for some, somebody, you know, who runs a couple places like I do, uh, it's, it's very challenging because in, you know, in, in rural kind of settings, like we're in, um, we do do a lot of personal, like 
uh, face-to-face outreach for sales guys, cold calling, like old school, especially, you know, focused on businesses, golf courses, and municipalities. Sure. So those things are immediately affected. So to be able to advertise and be able to get the word out, um, it's a little clunky, right? It's not as, I mean, even with, even with Facebook and Instagram, it's still not sometimes getting the reach that I need it to get that yeah. school approach that's worked for us for so long is doing, um, not to rule it out, but, but I don't know if it's going to fill the hole, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I don't know. Those are the things that I think about on a daily basis about what we can do. And it's funny because, and I know this, you know, we're talking about shops and things like that, but on the, on the dealership end, and I've been considering this uh, like for the last month or two is Cadillac did a a pretty cool thing that I saw, which was that virtual showroom where you, you could, you know, go and walk around that, that Cadillac dealership that they had set up with, with, uh, with salespeople. And, and I think that, you know, for us going forward, depending on this, it's not going to be the same quality as what GM's got, right? But if we can have our customers, if they're interested in things, they can send us in, you know, send us notes on what they were, you know, they're, they're feeling like they're interested in, or maybe they really want to start. And, and we're going to probably start doing YouTube videos where we can, you know, literally virtually kind of walk them around the machinery, uh, go over some sales differences and some comparisons and things like that to try to get at least a sense of what we can do uh, in the dealership to them remotely. And, and those are just things that I think we're going to have to do. I think they're things that we, will, we I wanted to do anyway going forward for the future because, you know, everything's changing by, uh, by the year for sure on the, on the tech end and, and customers are changing dramatically, right? So yeah. we're probably going to have to accelerate those things that we do to become uh, more automotive. And the automotives have always been, you know, 10 or 15 years ahead yeah. Of the equipment industry, and and so I think we're we're you know on the on the dealership, and we're going to have to do our best to try to push those things along. So you definitely sound like there's opportunity for kind of innovation during this time, right? Like where if it's not business as usual, uh, there's opportunities to really kind of dive into the business and maybe take care of some of those things that you've been pushing off. But it really, you everybody's so busy on a day to day basis that. This, uh, I, I know for us at Finder Wrench, that's one of the things that I really look at is how do we make our business better coming back out of this thing? And it sounds like you kind of have that same mentality and that same, you know, drive to get some of this stuff and, and drive some innovation through maybe a tough time, but that maybe coming on the other side of this could be some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I agree with you, Jay. I mean, I know right now I'm 40 years old and I've always been, you know, into technology and, and things of that nature. So, I mean, I hope that I've got at least 30 or 40 more years in me and, and I hope to be in this business. And so I know it's going to change a ton uh, as it did for my dad, who was an equipment guy and, and an owner of a dealership for, for over 40 years as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm jealous of the automotive guys because they have a lot of cool toys that they get to play with and they get to innovate and they get to do a lot of stuff. And we follow suit. And you know that from being in this, in this part of the game too. Right. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, it's, it's always been a focal point and it's on my, on my board that this is, these are things we want to do because I literally in my own space want to be the easiest equipment dealership in the world to deal with. Love and it. I, found that I don't sell, I don't sell globally and I never will because that's not how these work. I mean, you are, you're a regional seller because I want to take care of the people that are around me, but I know that the guys that are 20 years old, 25 years old are going to be my buyers if they're not already. Um, they're they're going to progress that way and, and they're different. And I'm assimilating to those things. 
I fought Amazon Prime for a long time. Now it's pretty awesome. That means- <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. That's what I want for my dealerships and I want for our people. It, you know, make customer experience number one, but also make employee lifestyle number one too. And I think that, I think that those things can, can really be hand in hand. I agree. Now, do you, do you see any level like uh, on, the, on the technician side? How many technicians do you have working between the two locations, Ryan? I have seven, I have seven technicians at present, and I just I mentioned to you, I just had uh, extended an offer to a eighth technician on Monday. And so that's been a little weird, a weird conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good. But, you know, we need tax, as you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, everybody needs technicians. So I'm not saying no. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think it may be an opportunity as we're going in here too, where I've, I've talked to a lot of my friends in the industry and I said this, very well, if you're in a position, could be a great opportunity to get aggressive uh, because, uh, you know, as I think Warren Buffett says, if everybody's running one way, try running the other. Uh, and and this, this could be an opportunity where uh, if, if, you're, if your competition has maybe shaky leadership uh, or something like that, where they're not instilling confidence in their team and where you're wanting to get that really good tech in your shop, if you can weather the storm, and it's a risk, obviously, but if, if you're able to, it's a good time to pounce. But do you see any levels, and this might not even be so much coronavirus focused, but just in general, see opportunities to evolve for technicians in terms of, uh, you, you were talking about employee lifestyle and, and what they, they have. Do you see any, any possibilities for kind of the evolution of the technicians in the workforce in, in terms of lifestyle. I know there's more things happening with maybe flexibility in work time or hours or just similar to what you said in the prior comment where things are evolving quickly and maybe a millennial might look at something much different than a Gen X or a baby boomer. Do, do you see any, any opportunities for innovation there or in terms of just making their lives easier? Because it is a tough and dirty job, you know? Yeah, it, it, it is. And I mean, that is a constant struggle. And I know we've talked about that a lot. And, you know, go back to my jealousy of the automotives because it's just a different game. You, you know, we've made a, t- a lot of improvements to my shop areas. I mean, my, my technicians are, are, are the lifeblood of the dealership. Everything goes through a technician. Yeah. I don't know what it is, whether it's a, it's a string trimmer or a, you know, eight metric ton excavator in my dealership, right? It all touches somebody with technical ability to prep it before it goes to that customer. And, and that's a true story. So when you look at how that affects everything, you got to hold, hold that very uh, close to you and try to take care of these, these people as best you can and continue to recruit them. So upgrading facilities and those types of things um, are huge so that they feel awesome about where they come to work. Yeah. Um, I would say to anybody listening, lighting out there, guys, start huge. with <laughs> huge there and then work your way down into the sides. So um, as far as, as some of the new stuff, I know things are going 100 miles an hour. And like I said, we're unfortunately always a little bit behind the curve. You know, technicians are so intricate to the operation this is that they, they do need to be there. They do need to be on. So you know, you see some of the things with augmented reality and things like that, that are making it easier for guys to do diagnostics and repairs. But, you know, for us, it really is just about, it, it is still that old school mentality where we just have to create that family and buying guys lunches and making it a community. 
and doing it on a weekly basis is, yeah. really, is really the things that I can do as a dealership that, you know, I've looked at a ton of different things. And I think the biggest thing that we might do, and that's probably going to affect my service managers more than it will affect my technicians at some level. I, I mean, it will affect my technicians, I think, uh, definitely as far as efficiencies and, and their bonus structures and all that, because we do efficiency bonuses, is, is going to a texting program where we can communicate with our customers. And we've just made that move in the last week to, to get going with that and to integrate that into our business system. So wow. those things for us are going to make it again, a better customer experience, but it's going to make it easier on all the people at the dealership, especially service managers, writers, and techs that, that they're going to be able to, to be more efficient, that there's not going to be some of these, you know, old school arguments that you see sometimes. Well, I didn't say to do that or, well, you know, <laughs> that question out of the, out of the equation, I guess, at some level, you know, with most of our customers. So again, I don't have the most exciting stuff because, you know, we're behind a little bit, but I'm just trying to get those fundamentals and be consistent with how we do them. Well, and I, you hit on something there too, with the fact of like buying that launch or doing something and maybe the feeling behind it. And I know you personally, Ryan, so I know how much care you put into this, but I think there's a difference between wanting to do that and needing to do that. Right. And I think the shop owners and managers that genuinely like the people that they work with and that they hang out with and, and they know it's not just lip service, like they genuinely want them as part of their family, it's received differently. And and I've had experience with both where it, it's the, maybe the lip service where yes, we'll get you pizza, you know, once a month or something like that, but we're probably not going to eat it with you. Uh, and the opposite where you, you might have a beer with somebody or you might do, you know, you can genuinely say that you like that person or you respect that person. And when you don't have that, I think that trumps everything else. Like if, if that respect level isn't there, I don't care what you're paying them. I don't care what you're doing for benefits. If that respect level isn't there, it makes for a really, really rocky relationship. I'm guessing you would probably agree with that. Yeah, it, you're, it's, it, it is relationships. I mean, any, any good dealership that's worth their salt builds relationships with their customers because, you know, it's the 80-20 rule, right? We see a lot of the same faces that, that come through that door. Mm-hmm. Well, you see the same faces every day when you show up to work because those people work there, right? So you, you need to pay attention to them just like you pay attention to, the, to that customer base that comes in. It, it is absolutely 50-50. I see customers and employees no differently. Yeah. With, you can't have one without the other. And so, you know, I have a technician at my Jackson store, Tim, and great guy. And Tim's I, he was probably early to mid fifties and, uh, and he had some knee issues and we, in, we invested into a two post automotive style lift and did some retrofitting so that he could get a lot of our Kubota RTVs, tractors, you know, zero turn mowers on there. And we got him a, a single post lift. And, and these are things that you know, some, some dealerships are doing because I was newer to lawn and garden. Right. And yeah. but we did that. And like we had him and I had a conversation like two weeks ago and he was just so appreciative. And I, you know, I wasn't looking for appreciation, but he said, I couldn't literally do this job anymore if it wasn't for those investments. And, and that investment to me was, was minimal. Yeah. To, to being able to have a guy that it shows up every day, does his job, loves what he does, is a good coworker to his you know, fellow employees and, and, and just makes it go. And so those are the things that I would always tell shopkeepers that, and I know everybody's in different situations, but those dollars spent absolutely come back to you. Lighting, yeah. lifts, things of that nature that, that your techs are, 
that your texts are needing and, and wanting. And it's, it's given you long, it's given them longevity, which gives you longevity, you know? Well, and you put yourself in their shoes. And if you're, if, if you don't give them the environment to, to be able to be productive and be happy, it's, easy to see. I mean, it's, it's, if, if you're, if you're not putting yourself in the, in the shoes of the other person, and especially in this case where a lot of times a technician can kind of be second thought being shoved in the back of the shop or, and even in a dealership, quite frankly, where the shop is not part of the showroom and it's, it's in the back and it becomes, you know, kind of your forgotten heroes in the back uh, if, if you let it. And so I think being intentional about that and, and really, like you said, it just going the extra mile for making that environment better and making it, and you're right, honestly, if you didn't do that, there's probably a good chance he's not even in the industry anymore. He's, he's out doing something different altogether because he, his body just wouldn't hold up. A hundred percent. And I'm always, I'm always, I always have ads up for technicians, right? That we've talked, that's the strategy. Yep. Even if I'm not necessarily needing to hire, I like to talk to people because you know what, if that person is hireable, it's going to make me really think about passing them up. And so, you know, if I would have lost him over, you know, what was really a, a small investment when you look at the big picture, I haven't had an opportunity to replace, replace him. And so th that's huge, right? So, uh, I, you know, that's the thing as a, as a dealership uh, or dealer principal or whatever you want to call, call it, janitor, all those things in between <laughs> those is listening to your people. And I know like we've, I've said a hundred times during this podcast, probably too much is that we are behind automotive. You walk into to the dealership and the shop and it looks nice. It's dialed in. It's, it's neat. It's tidy, but it's a 1950 something building. Yeah. We've, heated it. we've made it, we put signage up. We've made it look nice. The shop, we've done the lights. We've, we've invested in the lifts. It still looks like a shop, but it's clean. It's tidy. It's impressive. If, if you're in this industry, it's it not is. into a Porsche or Maserati dealership. Sure. But it's, it's got very good curb appeal. And those people that we bring in that are our employees that we care a lot about are, are I think, appreciate that fact. And they take pride in it. And that's all you got to have. Yeah, that's, uh, you're, you're spot on there. This has been great. I honestly, we, we could go for probably another two hours <laughs> on, on some of this other stuff. But let me, let me leave you with this, Ryan. Do you have any parting message for uh, some of these other shops that might be going through this, all the difficulties that might be with this coronavirus and as they go through and, and just kind of making them feel maybe like they're not alone. Do you have a message for any of the other folks out there? Yeah, I think that if anything, and I don't have any answers, I wouldn't ever tell anybody that. Um, and everybody's always in different situations and scenarios. And it's a very uncertain time. And obviously the financial end of any business is you have to have revenue. And, and that's a scary thought, right? That our, that there's going to be a large scale revenue uh, interruption. And I don't want that. Nobody does. Uh, I'm hopeful that we can bear down and maybe do it for a short period of time and that that'll make all the difference and we can get back to get back to normalcy. That's my hope. But I think if I was to give advice, I'd just say, focus on your people, focus on them first. Uh, obviously we're going to always have to do what we have to do on the back end to make these businesses viable. You know, call people in, call other people in the industry about some of the things, call your Call your vendors, your insurance people, your, if you've got a, a lawyer, these types of things to, to make sure you're not missing anything that might be available to you because we're doing the same thing right now is trying to see what might be available if this gets worse. But um, I think on a more touchy-feely level, my brother who runs uh, some dealerships had a really good thing. They, they do a Friday lunch every day, and he's like, make sure that we're buying local. 
make sure that we're getting that food locally. Mm -hmm. So things are going to add up. I mean, we just, if we focus on safety, doing our part, focus on our employees and we start spreading that outward to these other, other, other businesses that, that are, that are local, that are hurting even more than, than we are. I think we're going to pull through this and it's going to be real. It's going to be good. And we'll, we'll, we'll be able to tell a hell of a story here. Uh, in a while. That's a, that's a pretty awesome message to leave on. I, I, uh, I appreciate you being on today. I, there's one thing that I do want to do before we jump off. And that is, uh, it's an inside joke with a friend of ours, Nick. And I genuinely don't think he's going to listen all the way to the end of this. So I just, I just want to say, thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. I, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Jay. 